The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. It is a joyful thing to greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel on this Sunday morning of Independence Day weekend. We greet you whether you are here live with us in the nave of Marsh Chapel or listening live over airwaves at WBUR 90.9 FM or listening over internet signals around the globe at WBUR.org. My name is Brother Larry Whitney and I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his regards as he is away in these weeks. And we are grateful this morning for the leadership of the Marsh Chapel Choir under the direction of Mr. Justin Thomas Blackwell. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then their own, then their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked if you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow in the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap the harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that, that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, Peace be upon them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. The word of God. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 66 with the antiphon. in God all you lands. Sing the glory of God's name. Sing the glory of God's praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great strength, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down before you, sings to you, sings out your name. Come now and see the works of God, how wonderful he is in his doing toward all people. God turned the sea into dry land so that they went through the water on foot and there we rejoiced in him. In his might, God rules forever. His eyes keep watch over the nations. Let no rebel rise up against him. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of God's praise be heard. Who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. Now let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 to 20. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer <coughs> deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. 
Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the, its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Don't you just love it when the 4th of July, Independence Day, falls on a Thursday? When it falls on a Wednesday, we're expected to go back to work on Thursday and Friday, but on a Thursday, most employers just give up and give everyone Friday off as well. A four-day weekend for the 4th. What could be more appropriate? Independence Day, of course, is the National Day of the United States of America, and on it we commemorate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Independence Day, then, is a celebration of the rejection of undependable government for a government that will hopefully be more dependable in guarding the nature and rights of men. And yes, most if not all of the signers of the Declaration really did mean to restrict independence to people of the male sex. Since the beginning, this celebration has been enacted in forms such as waving flags, singing patriotic songs, marching in parades, shooting off fireworks, having picnics, attending concerts, giving speeches, and conducting ceremonies. Perhaps there is no more quintessential celebration of Independence Day than the 4th of July barbecue, a somewhat tardy version of which we are hosting here at Marsh Chapel following the service today. No, 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 I said following the service. Now get back in your pews so I can finish the sermon. There are a number of ironies associated with Independence Day, for example, those flags we wave with red and white stripes and white stars on a blue field are the same red, white, and blue as the Union Jack, the flag representing Great Britain. That is, the country from which we were declaring independence in the first place. Also, the song, My Country Tis of Thee, 
was written in 1831 by Samuel Francis Smith while a student at Andover Newton Theological Seminary and first performed at Boston's Park Street Church on July 4th of that year. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. Of course, we sing it to the tune of God Save the Queen, the national anthem of the United Kingdom. Apparently, we're no better at coming up with original tunes for our patriotic songs than we are at coming up with original color schemes for our flag. And for some reason, we celebrate the 4th of July, when the Declaration of Independence was supposedly signed, when in fact it seems it was probably actually signed on August 2nd. And it was on July 2nd that the Second Continental Congress voted a resolution of independence that had been proposed in June. On July 3rd, John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations, from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward, forevermore. Amazingly, we do all of these things. On the 4th of July, two days after the event Adams meant to commemorate. Oh well. Independence is a wonderful thing. But I must confess that over the past couple of weeks, my meditations and considerations have turned much more to the alternate side of the coin, dependence. You see, on June 20th, at 5.53 p.m. at Brigham and Women's Hospital here in Boston, my daughter, Lily Alma Whitney, was born, weighing 7 pounds, 2 ounces, and 20.5 inches long. In the past couple of weeks, she has more than regained her birth weight, and she takes seeming, de seeming delight in keeping my wife Holly and I from getting any sleep. She is a bundle of joy, and I am learning an entirely new dimension of love. It is a great joy today to welcome Lily's grandparents to the service, and particularly her grandmothers, who, who read the lesson and the gospel today. Lily and her mother are here too, Lily making her church debut, likely as not sleeping through the sermon, as I am sure are many of her pewmates. Lily, being a newborn infant, is entirely dependent. She cannot eat without help attaching to her mother's breast. She cannot sleep without being rocked while rubbing her back. When she poops, Daddy has to clean her up and change her diaper. Like all newborns, Lily's head is approximately 30 to 40% of her body weight, meaning that her neck is not strong enough to support it properly. When we pick her up and hold her, we have to be very careful not to let her head flop forward or backward or left or right, any of which could at least prove detrimental to her ongoing development. Lily has a completely undeveloped immune system, so those of you who would like to greet her following the service will first have to participate in the ritual of handwashing employing the vat of hand sanitizer that I brought with me this morning. Her mother is an infectious disease physician, after all. 
Lily cannot walk or even crawl or turn herself over. So we have acquired all manner of devices to help carry her, from car seat to stroller to sling to Moby. Dean Hill was disappointed that we didn't name her Roberta, but he perked up a bit when I pointed out that we bought a stroller named Bob. We do, of course, anticipate that Lily, over time, will achieve her own independence. But doing so is a process of us, as her parents, accompanying her on the journey of life and faith. Not only to be independent physically, but also emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. This movement from dependence to independence is the process of maturation. It happens over time. Undergraduates who will start in September at Boston University are emerging out of the process of being accompanied by parents, but still aspire on toward greater levels of independence and maturity. College students learn to set their own alarm clocks, manage their own bank accounts, and find their own food. A year or so later, when they move from the dorm to an apartment, they may even learn to cook that food for themselves. It is not the case, however, that this movement from greater dependence to greater independence is ever entirely linear or ever reaches an absolute at either extreme of the spectrum. Many young people, as their personal independence grows, discovers that it can be helpful to have a partner with whom to share the responsibilities of life. Some find such a collaborator with relative ease, while for others it can take quite some time to find someone who is appropriately dependable. And so, every year, we host myriad weddings here at Marsh Chapel, particularly in these summer months, in which people commit to one another in a life of mutual dependence, of interdependence. Just last week, the United States Supreme Court struck down key components of the Defense of Marriage Act and let stand a ruling overturning Proposition 8 in California, make, marking further steps toward marriage equality in these United States. What a heartwarming juxtaposition to have such a celebration of the right of so many at last to enter into relationships of mutual dependence only one week before our national celebration of independence. The same balance between independence and dependence holds at the socio-political level as well. It was not the case that the Founding Fathers sought to overthrow the tyranny of Great Britain in order to establish an absolute anarchy. They explicitly said in the Declaration of Independence that once the old oppressive government was overthrown, then it was incumbent upon the people to institute a new government. So it was that the leaders of the day turned their intellectual focus to designing a new democratic government that they believed would be more dependable in enabling its citizens to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. This is precisely what our brothers and sisters in Egypt are struggling toward as we speak. Nevertheless, even upon the achievement of the Founding Fathers' best efforts, there were some cruel restrictions on who could be considered independent in this country. If you did not own land, you were not independent. If you were a woman, you were not independent. If you were a slave, you were certainly not independent. Yet, socially and economically, 
The white landowners who had supposedly achieved independence were in fact quite dependent on all of these classes of people. So it was that A.G. Duncan wrote alternate abolitionist verses to My Country, Tis of Thee, only a dozen years after the original verses were penned. My country, tis of thee, stronghold of slavery, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, where men man's rights deride. From every mountainside, thy deed shall ring. Interesting, is it not, that at the apex of the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. quoted not this verse, but the original, to inspire the nation to end segregation. In the end, however, it makes sense. The original verse is a hymn to independence, while the alternate is a reminder that every new achievement of independence is yet also an arising of new levels and manners of dependence. Here then, the theological turn. It was the great Protestant theologian Friedrich Schleiermacher who claimed in his monumental tome, Glaubenslehre, The Christian Faith, that religion is the feeling of absolute dependence. Religion is the feeling of absolute dependence. Strange to think, is it not, that the great liberal American pulpits that have for so long emphasized the freedom offered for a life lived in the light of the gospel can all trace a lineage back to the liberal lion Schleiermacher and his principle that religion is the feeling of absolute dependence. Or perhaps not so strange in a country that puts such high value on independence that we would cast our final dependence onto one who is ultimate, infinite, and so utterly dependable. For Schleiermacher, Christian freedom arises out of the matrix of absolute dependence on God. This is the final outworking of Martin Luther's insistence that the experience of God for Christians is unmediated by human institutions. We can depend directly on God in prayer and in song and in breath, and so are free and independent from any worldly power and institution. Or at least we would be if we were living in the kingdom of God. Alas, when we come back down from the mountaintop of absolute dependence, we find that we are still living in this fallen, broken world. Our lessons today have something to teach us about living in a fallen, broken world. In the conclusion to his letter to the Galatians, Paul is coming at the problem from the side of independence. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride, for all must carry their own loads. In eternity, we are absolutely dependent on God. But in the present life, we are responsible for ourselves, for sowing what we will in our own work. Nevertheless, Paul indicates that we can begin to feel what it will be like to depend on God absolutely in eternity. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And 
Whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. We participate in the feeling of absolute dependence as though seeing it through a glass dimly, as we experience interdependence or mutual dependence in our lives. If Paul was approaching absolute dependence from the side of independence, Jesus, in our gospel reading, approaches it decidedly from the side of dependence. Over the course of the Lucan narrative, the disciples have become increasingly, persistently, and stubbornly dependent on Jesus. Just prior to the readings we heard, many are offering to join Jesus, if they can just run and take care of one more thing before they do. But Jesus has turned his face toward Jerusalem and the passion and the cross. So he sends them out, cutting them off from their many dependencies. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Nevertheless, the kingdom of God is announced not so much in words, but by entering into relationships of interdependence, of mutual dependence, in each place the disciples go. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. From the side of dependence as well, it is through interdependence in this life that we receive a foretaste of the absolute dependence on God that is a hallmark of the kingdom. It is little wonder that so many in our world have adopted a preference for independence over dependence, making relationships that are truly interdependent that much harder to achieve. After all, submitting to some level of dependence requires that there be a level of dependability in the one to whom we submit. Alas, our human experience is that people are never quite as dependable as we would hope. And institutions seem utterly incapable of a reliable degree of reliability, made up of less than dependent, dependable people as they are. Deplorably, there seems to be no less dependable institution in our time than the church. How do we know this? The Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life reports that at this point, 20% of adults in the United States are religiously unaffiliated. And that number jumps to one-third if considering only those under 30 years of age. These are the so-called nuns, not members of religious orders, but rather those who, when asked about their religious affiliation, check the box marked none. It is notable that the nuns are not so much questioning the dependability of God as those who identify as atheists have only ticked up slightly. Rather, they have declared independence from institutions that purport to provide the opportunity for cultivating relationships of interdependence, but fail to do so. 
a significantly higher percentage of the unaffiliated than the public in general, believe that religious institutions are too concerned with money and power, focus too much on rules, and are too involved with politics. At the same time, a significantly lower percentage of the unaffiliated than the general public believe that religious institutions bring people together and strengthen community bonds, play an important role in helping the poor and needy, and protect and strengthen morality. Many churches are trying desperately to deny that they are as undependable as the nuns claim, but the response of denial misses the point entirely. Dependability can never be demonstrated in words, only in actions, and the actions of too many churches belie their words. The nun's own experience is of the lack of dependability in the church, and insisting that the church is otherwise than their experience smacks of hubris and hypocrisy. Whether it is financial mismanagement, exclusion of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons, or tolerance of sexual abuse by clergy, who can blame the nuns for disaffiliating or demurring from ever affiliating in the first place? In all honesty, there but for the grace of God go I, and I am convinced that at least some who do go, go with God. In these summer weeks, we are hearing from voices that inhabit several of the most significant pulpits of Northern Methodism. I am not one of them. I am not a Methodist, although I grew up one, and I only ever occasionally inhabit this pulpit in the chapel of an historically Methodist university. My role in this preaching series, then, is not to speak to Methodists or for Methodists, but rather as a finger pointing at the moon, providing some orientation as to what you might listen for in the weeks ahead. The question that must be posed to Methodists, at least as much as to those who remain affiliated with any other religious institution, is this. How will you go about demonstrating your dependability such that you may faithfully provide a foretaste of absolute dependence on God, that is, of God's kingdom? How will you declare interdependence? Amen. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go change a diaper.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please be seated. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel this Sunday morning, and we hope that you will participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We remind you that following the service, following the service, we will have our uh, annual Independence Day barbecue on the BU Beach, and hope you will join us for that. We note also that next week following the service, July 14th, uh, those interested in our abolitionist chapel program are welcome to join the Reverend Victoria Gaskell for lunch. Uh, for more information, please contact Victoria. Her contact information is available in the bulletin and on the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. As we listen, as the ushers wait upon us for our morning offering, we invite you to meditate on C. Hubert H. Perry's setting, My Soul, There is a Country, by a poem of Henry Vaughan. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
We give you thanks, O God, this day for life and work and peace. Now bless these gifts and those who have given them to the work of ministry in this place and throughout the world. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we prepare to celebrate the presence of Christ in the sacrament, let us call to mind and confess our sins. Father eternal, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in what we have thought, in what we have said and done, through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We have wounded your love and marred your image in us. We are sorry and ashamed and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with heartfelt repentance and true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and forgive you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We belong to him through faith, heirs of the promise of the spirit of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another a sign of peace. Wise and gracious God, you spread a table before us. Nourish your people with the word of life and the bread of heaven. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ you shared our life that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voices to join the eternal song of heaven. On the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. As we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. Come, for all things are now ready.
Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have fed us in this sacrament, united us with Christ, and given us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet prepared for all peoples. Amen. Dearly beloved, the sacrifices made by so many for the sake of independence around the world remind us that life is short, and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who walk the way with us. So be swift to love, and make haste to be kind. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, abide and remain with you, now and always. Amen. <laughs>